0: Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey friends, Kate Warman here, and I am so happy to have you today for our summer flashback series answering some of your top dating questions. Here's the thing, y'all send us in questions all of the time, and we do our best to answer as many of them as frequently as we possibly can. But sometimes what happens is that you're asking us questions that we've already covered. So we decided, why not bring up these questions and share with you some bite sizable content, answering them for a reminder, further clarity, something really, really easy that you can listen to quickly. Not only that, but some of you guys here are newer to our community. And if that's you, hey, welcome. So, so, so happy you are here. We're just getting started. We get so many new people each and every week in our Heart of Dating community, and we love it. So for you newcomers, this summer flashback series will be a perfect start for you. We hope you enjoy this summer flashback series where we've taken key nuggets from previous interviews with incredible guests and are bringing it to you in a bite-sizable, shareable way. So be sure to share the series with a friend or two because, you know, they probably also have these questions. You guys can easily listen to it on a short drive or getting ready. So many different things. It's going to be perfect and easy to listen to. So let's do it. So our series is continuing today with an interview from one of my favorites, John Mark Comer, answering the question, how do I have strong physical boundaries and resist masturbation? Yep, we are going there today you guys in this conversation we're addressing a hot topic boundaries sex and masturbation Mm -hmm. yep I asked a pastor about masturbation that's true we're just gonna go there so buckle up as John Mark Homer spews some awesome wisdom on this topic I know it's gonna help you guys in this area I want to talk to you quickly about boundaries and this is a topic that's discussed frequently and it seems that everyone kind of has their own view on what is right and what is wrong and some ways I guarantee that people are hesitant to admit to a pastor like yourself um, what's really going on but to be honest we all talk about it and we all struggle with it um, and it's different for different people. Some people decide to not kiss until they're married. Um, some people do decide that that's okay for them before getting married how do you feel that we should navigate what is right for us as Christians in physical relations and boundaries within the context of a dating relationship?
1: Yeah. And of course there's not a right or wrong answer. Some things are clearly sin and other things are, you know, I don't know, very, I don't know very few people that would have an issue with handholding or something like that, you know? Right. So there's a whole lot of ground in between, you know, sex and handholding. And so where, you know, so I think basic principles, you know, that each couple has to flesh out. There's not a part of the reason there's not an answer for that is because everybody, every couple is different Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of it has to do with the veracity of that person's will or Mm self-control. So like my wife and I had to draw really strict boundaries around Mm -hmm. us, but that was because of our immature, not because of our maturity. It was because our lack of self-control, not because we were so self-controlled. So if, if that makes sense, it's much easier right. to just not kiss than it is to kiss and have to advocate self-control. Does that make sense? Yeah, so totally. The more self-control you have in theory, the more freedom that you are able to take in your physical expression of relationship together. Yeah. Um, but I think that my immaturity and lack of self-control in that area is not rare. I think that is more the norm than the exception to the rule. So, um, yeah, but I think as a couple basic principles, one is, you know, your first question shouldn't be, what can we do? It can be, how holy can we make this relationship? Mm. That sounds cliche, but that, that should be the overarching (laughs) philosophy. It's not, what can we get away with without having to repent on Sunday? It's how, Happy we make Jesus with this relationship? How can we honor Jesus, each other, and our own bodies as created in the image of God um, and holiness through this relationship, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that needs to be the, the question that drives all of this. And mm-hmm. then I think, you know, um, a second kind of rule of thumb is don't do anything that causes arousal. So if you're doing something and it's causing arousal, don't. That's just a marriage thing. That's not a dating thing. And, and that's the beauty of none of this is a don't. It's all a not now. It's just a wait, not a don't. Right. You know, And yeah. so that should that give you excitement and anticipation for the future. But I think anything that leads to arousal is just taking you down a long path. Third thing I'd say is talk about it openly and honestly mm-hmm. and as non-romantic as it sounds get it up there and agree to some kind of, to agree to boundaries. Then the guy might have one set of boundaries in mind and the gal, another, you know, and we can yeah. stereotype who's going to say what, but that's, <laughs> those stereotypes are not all that helpful, but it can be done in a creative romantic way where you're doing it to honor each other and honor the mystery and, and keep that mystery alive and the sanity of your relationship and your sexuality. So um, and then the last thing I'd say is just uh, once you come up with some boundaries, first off, brainstorm those boundaries with your community and then have your community hold you to it. So have your community regularly checking in, asking, how are you doing? Are you staying inside the boundaries that you set Mm -hmm. with our counsel and advice kind of thing? You know, And I, I think if you're asking those kinds of questions you're going to be doing good for. And, and then just be really careful. Not the last thing I'd say is just don't put yourselves in situations of temptation. You know, temptation is not a sin, but how the decisions we make can set us up for or against temptation. So, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's totally. not tempted want to, you know, have sex with somebody that you're falling in love with or dating or attracted to. But if you go to each other's apartment late at night alone, and there's mood lighting on, and you know Beyonce's playing Funny in the background, there, or Beyonce, like, yeah. okay, yeah, and okay, we'll light go there. A candle, and you're like, well, I just fell into it, and I'm like, no, you didn't. You walked straight into it. Like that was yeah. a series of unwise decisions that created an environment of overwhelming temptation and no accountability. So you yeah. don't want to, you don't want to, of your own free will. Place yourself in environments, whether it be an apartment alone or whatever, where temptation goes up and accountability goes down. You want to do the opposite. You want to place yourself in environments where temptation goes down and accountability goes up.
0: Totally, those are really amazing, and it's hard because, like, I know you probably get asked that question by people in your church community a lot, but I think us as Christian singles, we we still we still need that direction. Um, so, a question for you on that uh, on that point is. Let's say the couple is doing very, their very best to not cross boundaries, um, but let's say they mess up. They fall into some sort of sexual sin or they potentially even end up having sex. What, how, what's the recommendation for the couple moving forward? Because that's a conversation I've also been privy to in so many of my friendships.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Again, there's no formula for any of this. Yep. First thing they need to do is confess that sin. So don't, they can't, if you just keep it to yourself and you say, sorry, we'll try harder next time, that's a winning formula to make the same mistake again. And of course, once you've gone down that road, um, it will be easier, not harder to go down that road again, or it will be harder to not go down that road than it was before. Not, not easier. So the formula of, oh, we just feel guilt and shame. Sorry about that, honey. Let's not do that again. Try harder. That's a, that is a surefire formula for failure, not for success. And there's no formula, but I think, you know, patterns, healthy parallels would be confession right off the bat, confess to your community. If there's a spiritual authority in your life that, um, you feel safe with a pastor or a parent or Mm. a mentor, somebody with authority in your life, ideally them as well, bring that out in the open. So confession, repentance, a new commitment to holiness, and then any freedoms that you were taking, I would then suspend those freedoms of your own free will and volition. So let's say you were allowing yourself to, you know, kiss on the couch or whatever, just take away that freedom, at least for a period of time, because the key thing isn't just not having sex again. The key thing is building a relationship on trust. And Mm. that's what, that's what so many people who are dating forget. As non-romantic as it sounds, to not have sex or not whatever, mm-hmm. what you're doing is you're both strengthening your willpower, which is a core aspect of our apprenticeship, Jesus. Like opening our willpower to the Holy Spirit to strengthen it as a muscle. What you're what you're trying to do is build, strengthen that willpower and build trust that you have control over your bodies. And that trust has to be built. Otherwise, for the rest of your marriage, anytime one of you is gone on a you know business trip or a conference, there's always that question in the back of your mind. And you know when you're dating, you tend to just have all this passion and sexual attraction toward each other. But as the years go by, as children might come and go, your body might be changed for the woman or for the man. Um, there's obviously like the familiarity that comes with relationship sexually, which, which changes the sexuality a relationship doesn't make it worse, just makes it different. And yeah. so my point is you need to know how to have that sexual desire and be in control of it, not controlled by it. And your partner needs to know that your spouse needs to know this is somebody I can trust to control their sexuality as an act of love. And yeah. that's why it's so key. So that's when a couple messes up. It's not just about, oh, let's not have sex again so we don't feel guilty. It's about let's lay a foundation of trust in our relationship that lasts a lifetime. As a married man, you know, I'm, not, I'm no relational guru. So it took me, I, I didn't go into this realizing how key trust is. But as a married man, let me tell you, trust is literally the foundation of the relationship. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and most of us can figure that out. We're only really vulnerable with people that we deeply trust. And Mm. it's only when we're really vulnerable that we actually experience real love. Because real love, the kind of love that transforms us, the love of Christ is the love that my wife has for me. It's not a, I think you're hot and I want to have sex with you a lot and I really like you. That doesn't transform us. That makes us feel good. It doesn't transform us. Love that transforms us is, I see everything that's ugly and impure and wrong about you, and I still love and even like you and put your will ahead of my own. That's the Mm. love that transforms us. And that requires, in order to experience that kind of transforming love, we have to be ruthlessly vulnerable with each other. Mm. And that's why trust is such a key part of the relationship.
0: Oh, my word. Okay. Just throwing it down there, John Mark. Just throwing it down. It's so good. I want to go to another really kind of difficult topic. So and I just want to go there with you, okay? Are you ready to just go there right now about this question? I don't know if yeah, you know well, what's coming, but...
1: <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what's coming, and you just built it up. So now I'm nervous, but all right, here we no, are.
0: No, no, you got it. You got it. Okay, so this topic is frankly not discussed frequently, but... Um, I'm just going to go out and say it, you know, what do you think the boundaries are with, um, with lust and then, and masturbation?
1: Oh yeah. No, 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 That's nothing to be embarrassed about. I mean, okay. that, that's, yeah, it's, um, that's just, like, that's a bit of a tricky one because the scriptures don't speak directly to masturbation at all, but yeah. they speak directly a lot about lust So, you know, um, theoretically there's a world where you could masturbate and not lust, uh, Mm -hmm. in my personhood that I, I don't see the feasibility of that, but I'm told by other people that I respect that, um, some, and I don't know that this is true for women, but some men, uh, can masturbate without lusting. All I have to say, I think there is a time and a place, um, For some people, not for me, where you masturbate without lust, not for the purposes of sexual gratification, but for sexual release. And I think Mm. that's key. Um, If you're doing it for the pleasure of that feeling, then you're, you're on the road to lust, if not at the destination. Alternative would be if it is a form of sexual release in order to allow your mind to be more holy and more focused on what god is doing in through your life so I just want to create space for if there's somebody if there is a man I don't think this is true forgive me but of the way that female physiology were it's different um, if that if there's a man that yeah uh, you know is able to masturbate without lusting for the purpose of release not gratification I think the scriptures don't speak to that and that's a gray area and a freedom that if he had peace to take he could take But I think for whatever percentage of men, I'm just going to say the majority of men, I don't know if the majority is 51% or 99%, but whatever, I'm in the majority here. I think that you can't masturbate without lusting, and the line between gratification and relief is really fuzzy. So Mm. um, I think my encouragement would be more of a strong warning against that and allow your body to work out sexual release through dreams and night and its natural processes as set up by God. The challenge, what this is hitting on, the great challenge of our day and age, is that human beings become sexual around 13 or 14, and now we marry in our late 20s or, in context, usually in our late 30s. So, you know, in historic cultures, when you would marry by 14 or 15, you know, you yeah. might have a year or two between sexualization and marriage. Now, but that, that's how most cultures around the world still are to this day, and definitely yeah. went down through history. And, and just physiologically, that's when a man and a woman's sexuality is often most fertile and most at its peak, and the body is young and flexible and pliable, and are physiological factors that are just science, that you're just working with. But all that to say very different than a, a married mother of Jesus who maybe was sexualized a year or two before she married Joseph, and somebody now who might not get married until their third date might have yeah. uh, you know, two and a half decades between puberty and marriage. So it's a whole other—and it doesn't mean it can't be done. Jesus was single. Paul was single and advocated for saleness and celibacy. It can be done, and there's a beautiful place for it, not only in society, but in the kingdom of God, but it is an acute problem that I do think should lead people to think seriously about marriage. You know, Paul's whole thing in Corinthians, turn to marry than to burn. If you can't, you know, control yourself sexually, if you're, or a better way to say it, if you're just overrun by sexual desire, then his advocacy is to find a partner as the context for you to enjoy and express your sexuality. Yeah.
0: So just in keeping in line with everything we've been discussing in terms of physical relations, boundaries, and sex, what do you personally think is an appropriate time to be vulnerable in a relationship and talk about sexual past with the dating partner?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's an exact answer to that. It's different for each person based on their sexual history, um, the sexual history or lack thereof of their boyfriend or girlfriend or fiance. And so there's no answer to that. There's just, you know, do it in community, do it with listening prayer, open to what the spirit is saying, what your community is saying, wisdom, discernment, obviously too much. You don't want to drop your whole sexual history on date one, two or three in the name of honesty. Neither do you want to mislead somebody down a path of a relationship with a whole part of who you are and what's been a part of your past, you know, um, hidden to them. You want no secrets. So, and for some people, it looks like kind of layers, kind of dripping, that information over the months as the relationship progresses, like, mm. you know, maybe letting somebody know on the front end, there's a history there's some past that you worked through and moved on. And if you continue the relationship, then let's talk about it more down the road kind of thing, you know? Um, but again, that just depends on who yeah. the person is, how sensitive, what's their disposition, temperament. Is this an area of deep wounding for them where, you know, their father had an affair or their mother mm. had an affair and it broke their family apart and so a deep wound, or is it, you know, not, not in the same way for them. So again, not a right answer there. I just think that's a wisdom question.
0: Wisdom and knowing when and the time, right time to be vulnerable, but probably not on date three, m- yeah. most likely, but yeah.
1: Yep. It's the, but it's, it's not a moral or theological question. That's a, a wisdom question, you know?
0: Totally. Yeah, but it's helpful just to even have your input on that. It's so helpful. All right, y'all. That is it for our summer flashback series today, answering some of your top dating questions. I hope you enjoyed this insight and wisdom. And if you did, don't forget to share it with a friend or two. By the way, we'd love to share with you that if you want further dating insights, we've put together an incredible free resource for you. The seven resources that change the dating game will help you with further clarity and insight and wisdom as you continue to be guided along in this journey of dating. You can access it for free by visiting heartofdating.com forward slash seven resources. Love y'all. See you next week.